Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. One of the ways that people have grown in their Marian devotion over the years is especially through novenas. I know of many saints, especially in my book, How They Love Mary, that they prayed uh, a novena. One that comes immediately to mind is Blessed Solanus Casey, praying a novena to the Immaculate Conception for his vocation. Lots of people, maybe as they want to grow in their devotion to the rosary, might begin praying a 54-day rosary novena. And so they pray nine days, and they pray uh, for 54 days then. Uh, so taking it in, the, in that sequence, uh, three sets in petition, three sets in thanksgiving. And maybe for the non-rosary daily prayer, that's how they begin praying the rosary every day. So novenas have been a powerful way to grow in Marian devotion. So today, I want to talk about a very unique novena. I've never heard of it actually until just a week or two ago. And I thought, well, I've never heard of it. So let's help other people learn about it too. I found out about it through Instagram. Actually, someone had posted it to their stories because I hadn't even followed this page yet. But then I did a little digging and I'm like, I want to know more. What is this? Maybe I should do this. And so that led me to the Instagram page, Miraculous Revival. And today I'm speaking with the person behind that Instagram page, Ellie. And we're going to be talking about the impossible novena. So thanks so much, Ellie, for joining me today for this conversation. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Well, it's interesting because uh, that one person posted it to their story. And so then I think I even wrote them and I said, hey, thanks for sharing this. I just signed up. Um, and, and then uh, somehow we got in touch. It said that you mentioned me and your story first. I'm looking at the sequence here. Well, that was in February, February 16th. So you had seen something I posted, apparently you posted to your story, but then, uh, March 10th, uh, you wrote me and you said, hi, father, I'm honored that you are following along and that you have signed up to do the impossible novena by chance. Have you done it before? The answer? No. Uh, I have felt the nudge to reach out to you for some time this year, but I know you are so busy. We are covering Marian apparitions this year on our page, and I always think of how much you've helped me on my journey with your podcast and books. I just want to say thank you for everything, and I'm honored that you'll be joining our community this year for the Walk of the Incarnation. So I guess, personally, I'm a little curious, because even as we started today, you said something like, oh, this is so surreal. I've heard your voice for years, and so now here we are, and uh, we're, we're speaking and sharing and talking about what you're doing, which I love. And uh, so uh, first, how did you come to find out about the work that I've done, I guess? Well, I, I guess I'll start out by saying that pretty much everything in my testimony comes through my mom, my biological earthly mother, and my heavenly mother. Um, the two are very interconnected. And so um, when I first had my spiritual conversion, I was kind of coming into the faith. Um, my mom, your, your podcast was the first podcast that I encountered. Um, the first Catholic podcast that I encountered. You mean the How They Love Mary podcast? Yeah. That's yep. crazy. Okay. Yeah. And so um, my mom has been 
with you for years listening to you. And it's actually mom that this ministry was even born my ministry. Um, so I, she was sending me, you should listen to this one, listen to this one. And I would just, okay. And I would listen. And then I ended up, you know, subscribing to your podcast. And then as I was doing laundry and doing different things, I would just listen to you. Um, and as you hear more about my story, I mean, I, I really didn't know much about Mary at all. I didn't know much about anything. Um, when I first came into the faith a couple years ago. And so I, it, again, it feels so surreal to be here talking with you and hearing your voice as I'm watching you speak, as opposed to listening to your voice while I'm doing dishes, you know? Sure. That's yeah. That's pretty crazy. Cause I do a lot of work with relevant radio. So I thought maybe you listen to the mass on relevant radio and that's how uh, maybe you heard my voice for so long. I didn't actually realize it was this very podcast that now you've gone from a listener to actually being a guest. So this is wonderful. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that that's great. And uh, yeah, I'm very honored by that because that doesn't happen all that often to have a conversation with someone, you know, maybe a parishioner. I talk to parishioners who listen, but um, but but to have someone, you know, that kind of our paths just have crossed over this project now that you are embarking on. So wonderful uh, to hear that. And uh, yeah, great to be able to meet with you and to talk today. So um, you mentioned a little bit about uh, coming into the faith. So a few years ago, entering the church. So that's a, a story of conversion. Uh, I'm assuming that probably took place through the RCIA process, probably. Uh, in which you make uh, a profession of faith. I'm assuming you were baptized already, but anyways, uh, yeah. What brought you to the Catholic church then? So you were practicing some religion and then obviously something unsettled you there. And you're like, well, I think there's something more. And it's the Catholic faith that you were desiring. I think a lot of times we hear some of these converts and uh, some of them, you know, they always say it was the church fathers I was reading. You know, that's a common answer, but I'm interested uh, in what drew you uh, to the Catholic church. Well, I'm laughing because I'm about to um, basically tell you everything that you didn't just say. Okay. I didn't didn't want to enter the Catholic church. Um, I, so I was baptized Orthodox as a baby. Um, and I grew up in the Orthodox church. Um, very traditional, very, you know, regimented, um, very holy church. And through a series of events, you know, as my life kind of went on, um, you know, I grew away from my faith and I began to question a lot of things. Um, I got to college and I went to UCLA and they have a Newman Center there. Um, And conveniently for me, it was located in between two frat houses, um, which I, you know, I was just trying to find my place to fit in. I was not looking for a relationship with the Lord. I was not looking to become Catholic. Um, Yet I found myself intrigued when there were people in front of the Newman Center handing out flyers in the fall of 2008. Um, Does anybody want to become a Catholic? And I was just trying to find my footing. I was a brand new freshman. And I said, you know, I kind of like the party life. I fit in there. Um, But let's see what these Catholics are all about. And so I spent most of my time at those frat houses and a, a good portion of my time actually at the Catholic church. And I did do the RCIA, RCIA program. 
and I sang in the choir and got involved there. And I love the Catholics. They, they filled my heart. Um, but when I got to Easter vigil, um, something happened and the director had called me and she told me, unfortunately, you're not able to enter the church this year. We're having some paperwork issues, uh, with the Orthodox church. Hmm. Um, they are holding up paperwork and I, you can become Catholic. It's just not going to happen this year. I was not willing to wait. Um, and unfortunately that kind of pushed me away from religion in, in general. I thought, you know, if this is what God wants, the rules and the paperwork, I want nothing to do with it. So I spent the next four years doing everything I wasn't supposed to be doing um, in college and um, somehow got into a good nursing school. I went to the University of uh, San Francisco, uh, a Catholic Jesuit university up in uh, San Francisco and um, found my life starting to kind of unwind a bit, you know, I was trying to find my place to fit in and was really struggling and um, just a lot of things I was going through. And I lived about two blocks away from the the university's Catholic church and something about it lured me in. And I thought this is, I, I could, I could try again. I could try again, you know, something's missing in my heart and um, didn't do it for me again. I, I, loved the church and I loved the beauty, but something about my campus and just seeing the way that things were not done in a Catholic way on a Catholic campus really pushed me away. Um, and I felt myself leaving confused. I was like, I felt like a hypocrite. You know, I was living a life in sin. I didn't feel like I should be in the church on Sunday. But then again, I had some moral grounding to know that what was going on on campus uh, with the curriculum and with the um just the sinful, the sinful things I was seeing on campus was just not appropriate for a Catholic, for a Catholic school. So that for me was the moment where I just walked away from religion. And I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to do life on my own, on my own terms, in my own way. And so I spent the next rest of my adult life kind of living a very secular life. Um, got involved in a lot of dark things, got involved in new age practices. Um, I basically sold my soul and, um, the Lord, I could, I, looking back, I could see him trying to call me many, many times. And I just didn't, didn't want to hear him. Didn't even know how to hear him. And so, um, eventually I got married. I got married to a, um, a lovely Jewish man. My husband's Jewish. And, um, we had a, our first our first child, our daughter, and my mom came to me and she said, will you baptize her? And I mm. said, I we're going to raise her to be a good person. I said, I don't really want to get involved in the rules and the rituals here. They've never done anything for me other than push me away. Um, and then she looked me dead in the eye and she said, will you baptize her for me? Okay, fine. <laughs> And she said, well, will you finally become Catholic too? And I said, okay, fine. I guess somebody has to be Catholic if we're going to baptize our daughter in the Catholic church. Mm. So I took my paperwork to the church in our, in our neighborhood. And I said, here you go. Mom wants me to become Catholic. Can you do anything with this paperwork? Somehow they were able to bring me in in three months. 
that's how I became a Catholic. It was not oh, any, wow. yep, it was not any spiritual conversion. It was not any spiritual reading. It was not any Holy Spirit, nothing. Um, I was not forced. I was not coerced, but it was, it was surely out of obligation. Um, so I became a Catholic in the spring of 2018 and my daughter was baptized in June of 2018. Um, I had never been to confession. I did not believe or even understand the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. I, you got to remember a whole decade had gone by from the time that I was, that I had gotten, gone through the courses and everything. And that was a decade of being lost to the world. Um, and so really when I entered the church, I, I was very, very lost. I would go to Chris, uh, to mass on Christmas and Easter and I would receive communion and I would just continue living my sinful life until the fall of 2019, when my mom came to me holding a miraculous medal and, yeah. and she says, um, my friend and I, well, a dear friend of ours, a lifelong friend, she said, we are thinking of reviving old Catholic jewelry. And I said, that's great. That's wonderful. And I'll be supportive. And she said, um, would you, would you wear this miraculous medal? And I said, I don't know what that is, but I'm not really interested in that. I, I like my jewelry the way I like my jewelry. And I was at a really low point in my life. My life was beginning to unravel yet again and um, looked me dead in the eye. And she said, will you wear it for me? I said, okay, fine. And I put it on. And my life changed forever. Wow. That's the moment. That is the moment where I truly started to become a Catholic. And that's why we call it a miraculous medal. Miracles truly do happen. They do take place uh, when you wear that medal. And so that's a story uh, that, that testifies to that. Yeah. Yep. So Mama Mary, she, it, you know, I put it on and I, and I didn't feel any, it's not like I put it on and all of a sudden I was just full of grace. You know, it was not one of those things. It took, it took a little while, but um, I never wanted to take it off. Something about it just magnetized itself to me. Hmm. Um, and so through ups and downs, it, it remained on. Um, and then as the world was shutting down about six months later, um, and my mom and her friend were getting their 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 little ministry up and running with the medals. Um, I offered to help, and I said, "Listen, um, what can I do to help you?" I said, "Churches are shutting down. You can't go and sell your jewelry in person. You know, um, I can make an Instagram page for you. It's about the most I can do. You know." And um, I said, but it'll just be the necklaces. I don't know any of the religious stuff. I'm not really into the religious stuff, mm -hmm. but I can do the, the, I'll just post the necklaces for you. And um, that's when it really took off. Um, nudges from Our Lady here and there. I would, I would see things and hear things. And that's when my mom sent me your podcast. I would fill my ears. Um, I would fill my heart, fill my mind with things that I would encounter um, through social media and through different podcasts, YouTubes. And so over the last couple of years, I've pretty much, I don't want to say catechized myself, but I've, I've learned everything that I've learned um, through this ministry and by, um, yeah, 
basically just through absorbing what I can and um, 54 day rosary novenas. That's where I started praying the rosary and um, all of that. So. So the social media account is the miraculous revival. Is that right? Yes. And then, well, I, you know, it's a very attractive page. Like you use the same color scheme throughout the whole thing. So um, I, I read a lot about social media. And it tells me that's what I'm supposed to do. But I'm like, I just like posting pictures. So we're just going to go with the picture style of Instagram. But anyways, you know, the Inst Instagram or any social media platform for that matter, uh, just the different ways you can use it. So uh, one of the things popular is stories, of course, and then you can create a highlight with your story, which then allows you to save them under a, a theme or whatever. And I noticed as I was perusing the account that one of the themes of uh, the stories was Marian apparitions. And uh, there are lots of Marian apparitions uh, I've been to a lot, many of the different shrines myself. Maybe you've been, I'm not sure. But of course, here in Wisconsin, uh, where I live, very close nearby, is the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help and Champion, a Marian apparition site. But as I was looking at the apparitions, you know, you covered one from, uh, I think it was Venezuela, Betania, or uh, actually, I don't know how to say it, but it's like Maria Esperanza, I think is her name. Uh, Drew Mariani, um, who, who I know... Uh, through Relevant Radio. He's a big promoter of that one, for example. But there was one that you mentioned there that I just was very unfamiliar with. And uh, it was this apparition of Our Lady Help of Christians. And I was just curious, just for my own sake, partly because I'm writing a paper on devotion to Mary as help of Christians and giving it for the Mariological Society of America. I was curious about this apparition myself and, uh, you know, kind of why you were drawn to want to share or publicize or promote that one. So um, this year, we're actually we're taking a little pause right now as we're getting the novena up and running. But my my intention was to really cover all the Vatican approved and all of the bishop approved apparitions. So we're just kind of going through each of them. Um, and so the four that you saw just happened to be the four that we We've already done um now our lady help of christians it threw me off for a minute because i know that that's a title of our lady mm -hmm. and then it's also an apparition same thing goes for our lady of sorrows it's a title and there's also an apparition our lady of sorrows as well um so this one was actually in 1866 in the czech republic it's a small apparition uh, it's not very well known um, but it is vatican approved um and what I found so interesting about it, you know, you see these huge apparitions like Fatima and um, where they, they get a lot of public, you know, publicity. And this one, Mary appeared one time to one person and she had one message and it was profound. Um, she appeared to a 30 year old named Magdalena Kate, who was very, very sick. She was deathly ill. Um, she, her doctors told her she only had two weeks to live. She received her last rites. And um, one night when she was laying down to go to sleep, she said it was dark and she said her room got bright like light. And all of a sudden she noticed a figure. And um, what she said was a figure that emanated a very white light with a golden crown on its head. I quickly thought it was the mother of God. And so she began to pray the Magnificat, part of the Magnificat prayer. Hmm. And she, she heard audibly 
um, my child, from this moment on, you will be healed. Immediately her pain was gone. Um, and the next morning she woke up and walked into town and people were shocked that she was up. I mean, she hadn't been out of her house in a very long time. Hmm. Um, and the interesting thing is that there was actually somebody else in the room with her who did not see our lady. Um, and so, but she saw that, I mean, she saw that she got up and all of a sudden was fine. And, um, yeah, so her room became a place of pilgrimage. And so other people would come to Magdalena's room throughout time and they would also receive healings. They would lay on her bed and they would become healed. Um, and so finally the bishop in the area came in and actually affirmed the supernatural, um, the supernatural character of the cure. And so after that, they built a church on the site. And then after that, in 1885, Pope Leo VIII elevated it to a minor basilica. And then when he consecrated that basilica, he dedicated it to Mary Help of Christians. Interesting. Why, yeah. So why he chose that title, I'm not entirely sure, but that's why this particular apparition has that name. Okay. I'm going to be looking into it. <laughs> Yeah, the, it was a tough one to find uh, information on, particularly because the the website, most of the websites that have the information are in Czech. Well, sure. Yeah, yeah. there. you know, there's this book. It's actually over here uh, from where I'm sitting, but uh, there's uh, it came up from Sophia Institute Press, and it's like the world of Mary's apparitions or something like that it, it, by some Polish author, I think. It's like a nice coffee table book. And uh, I'll be interested to see because they, they cover some obscure ones in that book. And I wonder if maybe it's in there. So I'll have to take a look and and uh, see and maybe I'll let you know. So, well, that's great. Well, thanks so much for sharing about that apparition. I was just curious. And it's part of the apostolate that you're doing that you want to share some of these Marian apparitions. Now, through the Instagram account now, you are promoting something called the Impossible Novena. So I was one of the curious seekers. I, I simply saw it again because somebody uh, had shared it on their own story. And I'm like, oh, let's let's investigate this. And I, I wonder what it was about. And it looked like it was a Marian Novena. I'm like, oh, I should probably know about this. And so I'm like, maybe I'll, I'll participate. And then I found out it wasn't a nine-day novena, it's a nine-month novena. And, and so uh, the Feast of the the Feast of the Annunciation is March 25th, the Feast of the Incarnation of God becoming man in the womb of the Virgin Mary, when the angel Gabriel visits uh, Mary with this message. And so it begins on March 25th, goes to December 25th. It's the nine months of Mary's pregnancy. And to be honest, I've never thought about marking that as a special time of prayer. And uh, so I thought this was ingenious uh, to do something like that, to have a devotion uh, for the nine months of Our Lady's um, for for Our Lady's pregnancy and all that entails. I always think about the last weeks of Advent as being kind of the last weeks of Mary's pregnancy, but that's kind of as far as I've gone uh, in terms of my own reflection or devotion uh, for that. So uh, is it called the impossible novena because it might be impossible to do? Because I don't know how many nine-day novenas I've started that I missed day four or five. I don't know how many rosary novenas I've tried that maybe regret regretfully, maybe I missed a day of the rosary or something. Uh, you know, so 
Is it impossible in that way? Or what is meant by that? Well, okay, so I have a few disclosures here for the listeners. Number one, um, you know, I've been doing my best to research the actual origin of this novena. Um, I reached out to Catholic Answers. I reached out reached out to the Marians over um, at the Divine Mercy. I apparently Father Chris Alar is working on it. I'm not sure. We're trying to figure out, Father, if you know anybody who could figure out where this novena originated, just for curiosity. I don't know why it's called that. Um, I have some guesses as to why it could be called that, and I can definitely share what how why I feel it it might be impossible. Um, I actually tried, I attempted it last year, and I am one of the ones who did not, I was not able to complete it. Um, and so... How long did I, you get into it? Did you, were you three months in and you weren't able to complete it? Or um, was it just a few weeks or or what? Three weeks. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm an all or nothing person. I mean, I have no problem. I've done 54-day rosary novenas. I've done... Marian consecrations every year. Like I'm a pretty, when I go for something, I go for it. And this was, this is a shorter prayer. It's, it's not even, I think if I had to really dig deep and think about why it was so challenging for me. Um, yes. Impossible because of the, the duration, right? You have that element. I think what makes, oh, and also to the fact that you're bringing three impossible causes, you're bringing three requests to our lady to, to then take to our Lord, which you believe to be hard, impossible, hopeless, things that you just feel like, man, I've been bringing this to prayer. And it just feels like there's no solution. It feels impossible. Um, and I think the reason that this, this particular prayer is hard, yeah, it's a shorter prayer. It's only 10 or 15 minutes. But you can't get lost meditating in the mysteries of the rosary. You can't get lost meditating in anything else. You are focused on those three intentions and they are hard intentions, especially if you're bringing something painful. And um, so I think that for me, that meditating on the three things that were causing me a lot of grief at that particular time in my life without having um, the spiritual grounding, number one, and number two, not really having that sense of community to keep me moving, um, I gave up. I had another friend doing it with me and she did it for me. She actually prayed the entire nine month novena for me, uh, for my intentions. And I am still bearing fruit and having hmm. experiencing miracles from her prayer. Um, but I just, it was very hard to meditate on the three most difficult things in my life. So that's why we're leaning on Mary's virtues this year, because we need a lot of grace to be able to do that. So when I pray this novena, let's say I know someone, they've been trying to have a baby, for example, and uh, they've had two or three miscarriages. Can I include them? Could they be one of my impossible? It seems like this is impossible for them. Or is this like uh, specifically meant just for me as the prayer? So I'm not doing it for someone. I'm not lifting up an intention for someone else. It's supposed to be for me. Like, how should the intention, what kind of way should that be focused, I guess? You know, just again, I can't really speak from experience with this novena. I think experience just with I've done the 54 day a lot of times with, you know, very specific intentions. I think I think intentions, whatever the Holy Spirit is calling you to my intentions for this year are for other people, but okay. they 
but because I'm praying for other people, I mean, they are still dear to me, right? You know, mm -hmm. it's still something that matters to me. Um, my friend prayed for me last year. I think it's, I think it's good to pray for other people. And I think it's also good to pray for yourself. I think that's going to be a very individual, a very individual thing. So sometimes the, the needs of others are what weigh on us the most. And sometimes it's our own needs that weigh on us the most. And we kind of just have to take that to prayer. But I think both are valid. So then how did you come to hear of this? So you don't necessarily, as you mentioned, know the exact origins of it and you're trying to trace that, but but obviously you came to know about this type of a novena, this idea of keeping holy the nine months of Mary's pregnancy with special prayers. So where was it or how was it that you learned about it? Um. Well, so last Last spring, I went on a podcast with Stephanie Engelman. She has a podcast called The Glorify Podcast. Um, and I, I had been listening to her podcast. And she brief, she briefly mentioned it. Um, well, not briefly. She actually talked about her testimony with it. And I was intrigued by it at the time. And I just kind of thought about it and then moved on. You know, I, I didn't. It wasn't something where I was like, man, I need to do that novena. But it planted a little a little seed. But then last year, when my when my friend reached out and she said, "Hey, um, would you like to do the Walk of the Incarnation, the Impossible Novena?" and I was like, "Okay, sure." Um, it that was when I really, really heard of it because she then she really started explaining it to me. She sent me the prayers because we were we were going to be doing it together, and then I fell off the bandwagon and she stayed on it. Um, and then I think for me, it was just seeing how fruitful the prayer really was and just seeing her dedication throughout the whole thing and how even when my life was a mess last year, I mean, the intention she was praying for, like everything that could have gone completely opposite to that prayer intention happened last year. Like my life completely mm. unraveled. And so, and she never stopped praying. She always, she always just kept saying God's will be done. God's will be done. Um, and I did get that answer to prayer and it came in like the most crazy of ways, but I, it, it really sparked something in me to think, man, there is something about this prayer. Now you just mentioned another name for it. Not only is it called the impossible novena, but you mentioned the walk of the incarnation. So what does that mean? Of course, kind of the incarnation being the fact that Jesus becomes man, that's that God invisible becomes incarnate, becomes visible in the Christ child and in his uh, life as he advances and grows in wisdom. But uh, what's meant by kind of the totality of that statement, the walk of the incarnation? So this prayer, um, you're really you're really supposed to be walking with Mary as she walks on her journey through her pregnancy. That's kind of like my understanding of what this novena is supposed to be. And I've actually read in different places that you are um, invited to walk while you pray. Um, and so me being the clumsy type, I'm like, man, I'm going to be falling over because I'm going to have to be reading this for a while. So we do have audio prayers coming for our um, for our participants um, to be able to listen and pray and, and walk as if they'd like to. But um, it really is, I think the term walking, it kind of gives us a visual for a journey, right? 
that it's that you're you're moving in motion. It's not a stagnant prayer. It's not a prayer that you're just reciting every day for the sake of recitation and hoping to achieve some kind of result. You really are in motion, walking and moving and progressing um, and growing. And I growing with Mary's womb and also walking toward the ultimate goal of growing closer to Jesus and um, to Jesus through Mary. Now, what does a person do if they want to complete the novena? So you have a website, you have an email list people can subscribe to. And so through that, you are transmitting uh, prayers, right? So are they the same prayers for the entire nine months? Do the prayers change with each week or each month? Like, what does a person do if they say, I want to do this nine month of prayer? So really all the, if they, if they want to just do it and make it super simple, all they need is to print out the prayers and they can go on their merry way and they'd be good. It's the same prayer every single day for nine months. Oh, wow. it, doesn't change. it doesn't change. So there's, that's nice. Cause it's not like you have a different, you know, mystery each day. Then you switch from, you know, petition to Thanksgiving. It's the same every day. Um, now what we, what we're trying to offer um, and what we feel that Our Lady is really calling us to, just with the way that it all came together, is to provide a more, more of an experience in a way so that it doesn't just become the rote recitation of the prayer. Mm. Um, because I think that if we allow ourselves to just become so focused on the intention itself, what will happen is what will happen to me last year, where you become just so overwhelmed by the intention that you kind of get overwhelmed and maybe fall off the bandwagon. So what we really want to do is bring to life a new, a different virtue of Mary every single month of her pregnancy. Hmm. So from the 25th to the 24th, we'll go through each of the 10, you know, each virtue in a different way. Um, bringing that type of content through YouTube, through Instagram, through the emails. Um, and in addition to the virtues, again, just really focusing on, on her pregnancy, we're going to be posting stories. So we're going to have a, a dynamic approach so that people who have different, different ways that can draw them in, all they need are the prayers. If they want more, it'll be available. They can sign up if they want to get the emails. They can follow along on Instagram. Um, I am working with another, another friend. Her name is Glory. She's on Gloriously Catholic on YouTube and Instagram. And she will also be putting out content as well and doing all the audio prayers too. Okay. Well, that's very cool. And uh, I subscribed. I put in my email address somewhere. Uh, how many people are you anticipating are going to be doing this impossible novena walk of the incarnation? Granted, you know, you can have so many people sign up. You could have um, hundreds or thousands of people sign up, but then, you know, how many people will actually finish it probably a different question but i i would just go with maybe like your anticipated reach right now in terms of the novena um well this one is different than anything we've done in the past the 54 days that we've done on our page in the past we've usually gotten a couple hundred people we're now at about 1200 people that's uh, wonderful signed up so it's a beautiful it's just beautiful confirmation that maybe this is what our lady had requested so and you just think 1200 people and hopefully everybody finishes. That would be my hope, my prayer. Of course, maybe some won't, that's fine. But all the grace that is going to be poured out 
even if a person just does it for a week and then they stop, well, just in those seven days, those prayers were still efficacious. And so that's something that we can't forget either. So, uh, yeah, that's very that's very powerful to think. All of these people join together in prayer for their own impossible no- petitions. So you take a thousand people times that by three intentions. That's three thousand intentions that we're storming heaven for. So there's something uh, beautiful about that, and that there's going to be grace. Uh, you know, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, he writes that Mary is an aqueduct, that she's always flowing with grace and that grace overflows to us and we're able to receive and tap into that aqueduct. And and uh, really, I think that's what something like this is. Like, here we are, we're going to this fountain of grace and we're hoping to receive from it uh, as we make our prayers, as we make our petitions. And like you said, even if they don't complete it, grace can still flow from that. Look what the Lord used my failure last year to do this year, you know, so you never know what can come from even efforts that don't come fully through. So, so is this something that you think might become a yearly devotion for you that every March 25th to uh december 25th christmas day that you're always going to keep holy these nine months or is this like one of those devotions you do it once and then maybe you you don't repeat it for years or for for some time later you know father that's a wonderful question i never even planned on doing this this was not i resisted this call for a long time and so to even be doing it this year is i mean I can't believe that this is happening still. <laughs> um, yeah. And so to see it all coming together, um, I imagine now that we have everything set up, that if people want to do it again next year, we would we would continue. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. I just kind of think, you know, for example, I did this uh, reading of The Mystical City of God by Maria of Agreda, 365. Uh, and uh you know, so right now it's just repeating itself. I'm not re-recording. I just have the files. I just release them every every day uh, re, uh, in year two. So, so you know, that's a, a another cycle. So maybe, you know, maybe someone doesn't do it next year, but then if you do do it, well, then you have a new clientele in a sense or new people you're able to reach through. So yeah, wonderful, uh, a wonderful project. Uh, and really for you to say yes, you know, Mary at the, Annunciation gives her fiat. She says, "Let it be done to me according to your word." And really, as we do this, where for you, it's an act of surrender. Mary surrendered herself to the will of God, and so for us, as we enter into that, it's almost as if we're saying, "Well, let your will be done. Let God's will be done." I surrender now as I give these three petitions uh, to your intercession. So I'm really looking forward to it. It might be ex- just exactly what my spiritual life might need for nine months. So, um, yeah, looking forward to the emails and people can check out your website. You have a website for it, right? Called impossiblenovena.com. So people can head on over there. They can find you on Instagram and, uh, they can see all this content. So, um, but so tell me a little bit more about the shop too. So you set up this Instagram page. It's a lot about antique metals maybe, or something like that. So people can buy a metal too. Is that, is that a real thing? That's, that's how we started. I mean, yes. So my mom and her friend, Michelle, they, um, they go hunting for vintage and antique 
Catholic medals. It started off as just miraculous medals. Then they started finding scapulars and saint medals and different things. And so, yeah, they clean them. Some of them take a lot of time to clean. And then um, put them on new chains and each piece is different. And so... And people buy that through like Etsy or through... Is there a storefront? How do they buy those? We just... we. We post a new necklace every day, um, other than Sunday. And um, we have a shop link at the top of our bio okay. um, on Instagram. And so you just go up to the shop and whatever, you know, you can just see what's what's left in our shop and go from there. Interesting. Very good. Uh, what's your biggest hope for the next nine months? My goodness. I just hope that Our Lady will continue to give me the grace to be the best littlest instrument that I can be. Sure. That's great. Well, Ellie, I know this is going to be a blessed work. And a lot of times when we resist something or maybe we're like, why am I doing this? It's those are the projects that really God rewards us for, I think. And uh, so I think you're going to notice just your friend last year completing the novena on your behalf. And this year, now you leading so many others. I think there's going to be a lot in store for you uh, a lot of good gifts that the Mosai is going to shower upon you. Well, thank you, Father. And I think, honestly, I know I'm not trying to gush here, but yeah, being on here with you too is, is a huge <laughs> gift and a huge grace to me. I never imagined that I'd get to have this conversation. So I think you're the only priest signed up. And so it's just, it's just very, it's very touching. So. Well, that's, that's great to hear. Well, maybe more priests will sign up uh, here in the next week or so. Um, you know, you mentioned being a, a longtime listener now of how they love Mary and whatnot. And I, I love talking to people like that. So I did a show maybe last year. It was like the super fan show where they were the number one listener on Spotify or whatever. So I'm just curious, like, uh, there's been over 200 episodes now, 200 interviews or 200 individual episodes outside of bonus content. And, uh, any, I know this is on the spot. Uh, any interviews stick out to you that that I did that really was one of your favorites or maybe was something that really maybe sparked a new thought or I don't know, just curious about any past episode make an impression on you? I loved the one about Garabendal. I okay. love it. Oh, I yeah. It. Um, it, it actually kind of really inspired me to start the Marian apparition. Sure, um, sure. Okay, I'd be like, it inspired my mom, who inspired me. I told you, everything comes through my mom. <laughs> she listened to it, and then she said, did you hear Did you hear uh, Father Looney's talk on Garabandal? I said, I did. And she said, you should talk about apparitions on your page. And, of course, I resist every nudge that I ever get. And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> like, we're not going to do that. Um, so, yeah, then earlier this year, she's like, you should talk to see if Father Looney can help you with the apparitions. I was like, no, 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 he's busy. So, um, but yeah, so that one, I was just, I I love, I love Caravan all the prophecies and then watching what's going on in the world and everything. I'm, I'm all sure. about that. Yeah, of um, course, Karen Bendel is not a Vatican-approved apparition, no. not a bishop-approved apparition, so you probably won't be featuring it if that's your criteria. But yeah, you know, I just, uh, there, uh, I, I credit a lot to Garib uh in 2020 uh, in my own life. Like there were days, you know, be, some days being a priest is tough. Like 
uh, and seeing what's going on in the world or maybe even within the church. And so Garamandal like was kind of like a spark of hope for me uh, that Our Lady talked about what we're experiencing in the world or in the church. And and uh, so I, I almost say like sometimes that Garamandal saved my vocation. And uh, so I was there. I went to Garamandal uh, uh, last year. I was there. And uh, I'll tell you, praying at the Pines, uh, I've been to uh, Marian apparitions all over the world. I've been to Guadalupe, Lourdes, Barang, Bano, Fatima. I've been, I've been everywhere. Uh, there's a few, of course, I haven't been to. Uh, but outside of Lourdes, uh, where I could pray at the grotto for hours, like the great, I, I, I'm writing a new book called, um, well, it's about holy places and graces received at them, like personally. And so as a way kind of for us to, reimagine the way that we visit holy places and like asking for particular graces. And so, so I write about Garamandel, which the publisher will probably cut out of the book because it's an unapproved apparition, but uh, I write about the grace to remain. And uh, just like, I wanted to remain in prayer there. Like there were days I was there, it was raining. And I'm like, I don't care that it's raining. I just want to sit here with our lady. Like I never experienced such a profound peace uh, in all my life than praying at the Pines in Garamandal. So, um, yeah, so it is a very powerful place. So, yeah, I had two episodes on Garamandal, one with Glenn Hudson, who I think is probably the premier English scholar uh, on the apparitions. He's dedicated really his whole life to promoting Garamandal and the message. He he lives on Facebook. He's got uh, literally, like, if there was an address for Facebook, he'd live there. But uh he he had he runs like 15 pages about Germandal in uh multiple languages and shares content every day, uh translates all that. So and then I talked to Ed Kelly about his own experience of Germandal, and I spoke with him in person uh while I was in Spain myself. So, anyways, well, that's wonderful. And uh yeah, I was just curious kind of if there were any episodes. So so that's great. Well, it's been wonderful to speak with you, Ellie, and to talk about the this nine month uh, novena yeah the impossible you. novena and uh, i'm going to start it and i hope to finish it and uh, we'll have to check back in later and see how it went for all of us i think you're going to do great i think i think there's definitely grace in numbers and like i said i wouldn't even i wouldn't even be doing this if it weren't for the from the nudges of friends and just so i think if we all motivate each other and keep each other going it's going to be very fruitful and why don't you just give us all of your little contacts, uh, you know, website, Instagram handle, et cetera, uh, right here as we close out. Sure. So you can find me at um, miraculous underscore revival um, on Instagram. And then the website for our novena is www.impossiblenovena.com. And those are the two main places right now. Well, wonderful. Thanks so much for your time, Ellie. And I know that your mom, who's a fan of the show, she's watching your kids right now as you're doing and recording this interview. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, thanks so much for being with me today. All right. Thank you so much, Father.